Every journey begins with a question. Our journey begins with this one. How can we lead to make the world better? Here we explore that question through journeys of great success and accomplishment, confronting challenges and overcoming obstacles with leaders from around the globe whose experience covers a vastly diverse range of background, sector, role and expertise. One common thread unites them all. They are all leaders striving to make the world better. They are all better world leaders. In this episode, we look back at the six conversations we've had with better world leaders in this season, and we look ahead at the next six that are coming very soon. So welcome to another episode of Better World Leaders. And this one, do not fear, is not entirely me, but the beginning of and the next few moments are going to be just giving you a taster of what this episode's all about. And then you have two choices. First choice is keep listening or jump ahead and jump ahead to really just look forward at the conversations that are coming in the second half of this season. The purpose of this episode is to recap, review, and recommend from the six episodes that have already come in season two, if you haven't had a chance to get through that content, and just give you a little bit of guidance and steerage as to where you might find the most valuable content in those conversations. And then we'll get to around the 15-minute mark. So if you want, jump ahead to 15 minutes on around now. And there, there's going to be some look forward insights essentially from the conversations that are coming over the next six weeks as we move into the second half of season two. See you there very soon. So welcome to the midway point, the halfway mark in the second season of Better World Leaders. And having taken some feedback and some guidance, I could say, from the production team and some of those of you who've been kind enough to reach out and share your thoughts, what I thought would be most productive for you, the audience, would be in just sort of 10 to 15 minutes or so now for me to give a brief recap of essentially the ground we've covered and the conversations that we've had in the first half of the season. And I'm going to do so really by introducing each of them quite quickly around what you will receive from them. And if you are trying to tackle this or if you're moving towards that, this might be a conversation that's of interest. And I hope that that will be most beneficial, particularly to anybody who hasn't listened to any of this stuff before and you're just coming to the Better World Leaders biosphere right now. Or if you've hopped in and out of these seasons and you may have missed something that might be of benefit to you. So where to begin? Well, this season started with a local leadership expert, an Australian, I would grace myself by saying sort of peer of mine, uh, but somebody that I greatly respect and look up to, uh, Zoe Routh. Zoe's message was really all sort of bundled up as decide what role you want to play as a leader. And I think that this episode would be a great one for a leader who right now is really trying to give some thought and consider what kind of leader they want to show up as 
And really the opportunity that you have as a leader right now is to not only define how you're going to impact your team and your organization and the wider world now, but really in this most confronting of times, define what your legacy from this time as a leader is going to be. So if any of those points impact on you, I would recommend go back to the episode with Zoe Routh that was broadcast on the 24th of July and have a listen to that. From there, someone that I have looked out to since the beginning of my coaching journey, who's produced two of the most useful sort of how-to guides for coaches and really any leader who wants to adopt a coaching style of asking more questions rather than telling, of essentially coming from a place of curiosity rather than immediately a place of advice giving. And that was Michael Bungay-Stanya. So we were lucky enough to essentially catch Michael in quarantine on his way through Sydney. And if, if you're a leader who's interested in how to explore the potential of your people, how to get the most with your team from what they have inside of them, or and you're interested in the relationships within your organization around power and where power is implicit and where it's explicit, this conversation deserves listening. I mean, Michael is an effervescent and quite interesting character, and this conversation bounced around and hopped onto those kind of domains, curiosity, power, power, curiosity, and also finally into sort of course design and learning and how to engender your capability as a leader and transmit it and transfer it to your team. So if any of those points resound and sound like they'd be of interest, the 30th of July, the conversation with Michael Bungay-Stanya, direct some attention that way. From there, we moved to a fascinating conversation with a younger leader, uh, a guy with an incredible personal story of perseverance and overcoming you know, real significant life threat to essentially shift right into purpose and find that in doing so, he lifted his team's engagement, he increased productivity and profitability through connecting the organization and the team to that purpose. That guy is Harvey Penny, and his story is just phenomenal. So if you're on the journey that maybe was instigated by the conversation with Victoria Foster in season one about listening to the call of purpose, how to anchor purpose into commercial targets or achieving a specific goal that may not see, seem obviously related to the purpose, that conversation with Harvey would be well worth a listen. Beyond that was one of the most varied conversations, sorry, Harvey's conversation, 7th of August. Beyond that was one of the most varied conversations we've had and one with some of the most explicitly beneficial advice from a very much research-orientated guy, Dr. Adam Fraser. So this conversation is essentially about how do you sit with discomfort? And as a leader or as a member of a team sitting with one of your colleagues or as a parent, how can you help by just being with the person that needs your help? And how can we manage our own emotions and really engage with something that's inherently uncomfortable in order to navigate the stresses and strains of, well, so many contexts right now. This for me was one of the most powerful conversations that we've had. 
And I personally benefited very much from it and was able to apply the specific techniques that Adam advised straight away as soon as I went home and then with my team. So if you are struggling with the amount of just contentious and difficult conversations that are coming out from the world right now, have a look at that episode from the 14th of August with Dr. Adam Fraser. That one is yeah, just a very, very helpful and progressive conversation. And then last but absolutely not least, in many, many ways, one of the most fascinating conversations we've had on Better World Leaders so far with a guy who just made the most radical pivot but has absolutely found success and a way of making his world and the world better. Andrew Haim DeVries. So Andrew comes from a creative arts background. He's severely dyslexic and, and really sort of struggled in many ways to find a sort of a clear path through his early life. He, he, he became a successful visual artist and then had this significant sort of awakening overseas, traveling, came to a realization that he could make a contribution as an inventor of a system to reduce waste and convert that waste into an environmentally beneficial product, which is compost. And he then invented and then founded a company of the same name, a system called SubPod, which is available for essentially everybody, any kind of business, any kind of commercial entity, and you at home to reduce food waste and improve the health of our soil, and in doing so, the ecological stability and productivity of, well, the planet at the largest scale. So if making a small step every day to make the world better as somebody who more likely than not consumes food and quite probably prepares food at home and you want to find a way to minimize waste and to do so in a very sort of cleanly and easy to manage and easy to interact with if you've got kids way then that conversation with Andrew is a great one but also if you're someone who's trying to figure out how to find an effective pivot point or how to overcome a severe obstacle and Andrew's example of dyslexia yeah, really was, was a confronting one so that conversation broadcast on the 20th of August that'll be worth a listen for you if any of those areas are of interest so now we move and shift our attention to what is coming and what lies ahead in the second half of season two of Better World Leaders and what we have coming up for you is a really fabulous collection of people, all of whom are making their own contribution to make our world better, to help leaders be better, and really just provide some guidance and some specific actionable steps that we can all take on board and learn from as we ourselves orientate to make the world better as leaders. So this is the running order, and I'll just take you through this in the next couple of minutes, and then I'm going to let four of the leaders through a short snippet from their session, speak for themselves. So first up is Lean Gorenson. Lean is a Belgian-based natural intelligence researcher and biologist who has of late been an advisor to the European Commission on Sustainability. Then we have Gemma Radnan, who is a, a Sydney-based nurse who has an amazing backstory and essentially a side hustle of, of running a charity or group of charities in Kenya. After Jenna is Brandon Schrott, a guy I've known for a few years and is just a fabulous individual, and his specific 
focus is adaptive leadership. And we really sort of ground his story in his origins in South Africa and how the, the sort of early calling he had to help and improve the world has led him into this speciality of adaptive leadership. Next is Kirsten Hunter, who is the MD founder for Future Super, an Australian best positive impact fund manager that essentially takes the long-term career savings of Australians and invest them only in businesses that are thoroughly vetted for making the world better. Then we have Kevin Tan, a Victorian-based entrepreneur who has come out of places like World Vision and has had a lot of experience in on-the-ground application of benevolence and, and, and giving and helping, and now is using the entrepreneurial venture in basically explicitly as a way to help businesses make the world better. And then we have one of Four Eyes' own, Morgan Jones, who has had a series of book launches, and we're going to review the latest of his, and all of those previous book launches have gone towards a charitable endeavor. So that's what lies ahead, and I hope what you'll find is in any one of those conversations, some more value, some more interest. But for now, I will let first Lean, then Jenna, then Brandon, and finally Kirsten introduce themselves, and I'll see you just at the end. If you look at natural systems, um, some of the principles you can can narrow down in, in what we call simple rules. And if you look at this this uh, multi-species ecosystem of a forest, one of the simple rules that they abide by is invest in the health of others to ensure your own. And what, what forests also do is they create microclimates. Mm. So if, if companies could uh, adopt these principles, like invest in the health of others to ensure your own, and there's a really brilliant example from Visa, the Visa cards, uh, the, the original founder, how he looked upon this. Um, but we can maybe go into that later. Um, and creating the conditions. Now you see that... Um, most businesses are organized into tasks. You have to do this, you have to do that. Um, we need uh, a certain culture to achieve that. Uh, but forests, and, and like the example of the fungi, they create conditions that are conducive for others to flourish. So if we could take that insight and rethink organizations into instead of creating hierarchies and tasks and, well, isolated islands, how can we create the conditions for this organization to have a beneficial impact on the wider environment? And what needs to change in us, in our teams, and in our organization to do that? And that's a way to rethink the way that we work together, the way that we collaborate, the way that we're organized and structured. And so this concept of the wood wide web, fungi and, and trees is actually a good concept to study. How do they organize? You can see that there's, there's hubs, there are mother trees 
who have more connections than the other trees. Um, so can you redesign an organization more in that way? And what I've learned along the way is when I went into these communities, I had already established a rapport with them because I knew them personally. And I could see like, okay, these are some of the issues, but I never said to them, this is what you need. I always had them tell me what their problems were and what solutions they could come up with. And I helped them execute it. When we hear the word leadership, we think of it as somebody who's above or in front of, mm. and I don't necessarily agree with that being the only form of leadership. No, sure. I think leadership needs to come where you, you might lead by example, but you want to pull people up to your level. Yeah. Um, and I often see, and we had this discussion before, you know, you might see people who have titles that they're in a, a leadership position, but they don't actually have the leadership skills. And I think if people are looking at turning to leadership, what are your strengths? What are you good at? And excel in that. Don't worry about your weaknesses. Don't waste your time on that. Focus in areas where you excel in, and that's where you're going to grow. Absolutely. Even what you were saying before with failure, when, when you fail, you are able to adapt to so many different scenarios, and you can grow with that. And what we were saying before with resilience, it makes you resilient. It means, okay, I've been pushed back. This isn't working. Let's try something else. And failure is something to embrace. For some reason in our society, failing is such a bad thing. If you're not failing, you're not trying. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've got to try. Yeah. And who cares? You fall off the horse, you get back on it. Especially um, in leadership roles, I think people are fearful to say, um, I don't know. Absolutely. And actually, I think the best leaders are the ones who say, I don't know, let's find out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You don't need to know everything. And I think the people who are know-it-alls, that's when the walls come up and you you know you don't have as much room to move. But when you let those walls come down, you've got a lot more freedom, a lot more flexibility, and then you can create a lot more. You're not restricted. We are more than just what our title is. We are more than just our profession. You know, I've got a lot of different um, skill sets in different areas, and when I combine it, a lot of great things can happen, right? But if I'm only to say you can only use one skill, then we're actually saying to other people, you can't fully bring everything to the table and make this a better workplace. So for anybody who's wanting to start out in leadership, what are areas of your interest? Connect with people who you have those common interests with, and naturally your network will become to flourish and you'll be able to meet like-minded people and you will naturally go on a journey heading towards whatever it is that that is for you. Yeah, and that's interesting because in, in the adaptive world, we don't like to speak about leaders. We like to speak about people who exercise leadership because we don't see leadership as um, a noun we see it as a verb, it's something we do. Yeah, absolutely. That's available to all of us and that we don't need the fancy car at the bottom of the building or the corner office with the beautiful city view or the huge paycheck in order to exercise leadership, which is very much part of what you're saying, that iconoclastic kind of approach to, to yeah. leadership, that we look up towards these people with fancy titles and call them leaders. You. Sure. So I really... Um, understand and see adaptive leadership as a change management process. Okay. Um, that when we use the word adaptive, what we're actually talking about is adaptation. Yeah, right? adapting. Yeah. How do we 
pivot from where we are to where we want to be and what's the process in between those two points that needs to happen um, or what needs to occur. I kind of think about the butterfly, you know, the caterpillar who goes into the cocoon and emerges as a butterfly. The cocoon would be the adaptation or the adaptive leadership process. What's going on in that hub of discussion, interrogation, work, progress, that's going to cause us to emerge on the other side of it in a different form. What do we need to lose? What do we need to give up? What do we need to say goodbye to in order to emerge in a different way? And and similarly, what do we need to try more of? And where do we need to innovate? And what do we need to do anew or afresh in order to create that change? Financial services, I think, is not something that people normally associate with strongly purpose-oriented people. But for me, I'd always really loved it, even in my corporate days, because I think financial services is such a great leveller. If you can make a change within a bank, that affects millions and millions of customers. Insurance is the safety net for all of us if something goes wrong. You know, like pension is what allows us to live with dignity in our retirement. And so I think financial services has a huge amount of power, but it's not it's not often thought of in that way, even by the people who work within those companies. Um, So getting to find a financial services company that had purpose at its core for me was just so exciting. And I could immediately see um, such a huge opportunity for Future Super, both in terms of the impact of what we could do uh, to represent our members and for people to get on board and really support the mission that, that we had as a company, but also the way we could then influence the rest of the industry and show that you can be a financial services company that doesn't make profit at the expense of people or the planet, that cares about its people and its members and has an impact first as well as being profitable. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I still obviously am so excited by that. I just think it's such a cool thing to be able to show other financial services that it is possible to think about purpose as well as profit. And so to me, I think that, you know, it does come back to this question of, of bravery and being able to imagine the future that we want to see. Um, I think there's a lot of inertia in corporations, in investors of just this is just the way things are, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I think all of us in positions of leadership, whether we're in a, you know, a superannuation fund with a billion dollars under management or a superannuation fund with $130 billion under management, it shouldn't matter. All of us have, all of us in the superannuation industry have a responsibility to provide outcomes for our members at their retirement. So what kind of world do we want to be leaving them in 50 years time or 20 years time or five years time? Um, by the time they're able to access the money that we've held on behalf of them. How can we imagine that? And then how can we make decisions today that will deliver that world instead of just making decisions based on the way things have always been done? And I think that willingness to step outside of, you know, the received wisdom, the way things always have been done, has a lot to do with bravery, but it shouldn't be. We just we just should all make decisions based around um the world that we want to see rather than sort of allowing ourselves to be victims to the system and blaming the system when actually we have an opportunity to change the system. The system is nothing but the collection of all of our actions. So I hope that this shorter, reflective and forward-looking episode has been of interest to you and potentially already just from those brief extracts you might have gotten some benefit and some some actionable advice from those four fantastic Better World leaders. 
I'll leave you here. I'll look forward to seeing you in the final episode of this season where, as we did at the end of last season, I'll take you through, I hope, an actionable journey based on the sort of collective gathering of the threads of all of these dozen guest conversations that we're having over the course of this season. I really look forward to any feedback, so feel free to email me, reach out on any of our social medias. And as we move into the end of this season, I'm going to give you uh, another look forward at the four special episodes we'll run between the end of season two and four. And in two of those, there's going to be opportunities for any of you who wish to get involved, send us some questions that we can respond to or potentially even get you on the show. But more on that coming when we get to the end of this season. I'll see you there. In the meantime, be well, lead well and make the world better. As always, great thanks and appreciation to the team who contributed to bringing better world leaders to you. To Brendan Ward for production of all audio recordings and composition and performance of original music throughout each episode. To Cooper and the team at Radio Hub Studios for technical support and creative guidance during the episodes that are recorded face-to-face. To Knock Knock Studios for website design, hosting and advice to Sarasa Design for logo and site graphics. You'll find audio and video recordings of this episode, as well as links to any specific recommendations or related resources that were mentioned today in the podcast area of 4iLeadership.com backslash insights. This is the Better World Leaders podcast, brought to you by 4i Leadership.